All right, welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. I'm Raf Giallo, joined by Connor Neville and Anthony Pine this week. We have an interview coming up with Roberto Lopez of Shamrock Rovers, who is over at the Africa Cup of Nations with Cap Verde, and he'll be kicking off the tournament next week, and it'll be his first major tournament. So um, we touched on both club and country with him, and that's going to come up shortly. But before that, um, Anthony, uh, we had the pleasure of seeing an Irish player featuring in one of the big games in Europe, which, of course, was uh, Quivine Kelly her for Liverpool against Chelsea what did you make of his performance? I thought he was absolutely brilliant uh, for a couple of reasons like first of all obviously his ability you know he's, he's got tremendous ability um, I, I can't and I, I could be missing somebody really obvious here but I'm thinking Keller is 23 so I'm trying to think of when was the last time an Irish player of that sort of age uh, was played in that kind of fixture in a fixture in such a, a massive fixture and was so good in it um, it possibly have to go back to John O'Shea, maybe when he was coming through at, at Manchester United. I may, I may be missing something, but um, you know, it, it was a fantastic performance from Keller, and not just because he made some really good saves uh, and important saves, but his temperament is unbelievable. You know, when when you're playing at Liverpool, if you're of that age and you've been at Liverpool and you've made it through the academy to, to get to the level where he is right now, you, you've clearly got something about you. You have to be extremely talented to get to that point. But the difference then. You know, the, the margins and the percentages come down to your consistency and your temperament and, and Keller's ability to step into these kind of fixtures because he has done it before. You know, he's played some important Champions League games for Liverpool. Uh, to step into those games pretty sporadically, you know, like he hasn't played, he's played some Carabao Cup games for Liverpool. But this kind of profile of a match, having been sort of playing in the reserves with the under-23s, then to suddenly to go to Stamford Bridge, where, by the way, um, that game was the first game to have uh, standing fans uh, in the ground. Uh, so it was, a, and it was an unbelievable game of football. So the atmosphere was off, you know, off the scale. And he just looked so calm, you know, he just, nothing phases him. Bazuna was just the same, you know, nothing phases the pair of these guys. They're just two outstanding young goalkeepers. Um, and and I, I really thought Kelleher, Kelleher was excellent for Liverpool. I, I, you know, in the end, he probably saved them a point. Um, it was a great performance, it really was. Yeah, it's probably just unfortunate from an Irish perspective that the two most promising players are both coming through in the exact same position. But uh, Connor, in terms of what Anthony touched on there in regard to that kind of novelty factor of seeing an Irish player kind of featuring in a game of that stature, it was a bit enough of a novelty. Although I wasn't, it was anticipated he would start when the rumors came through that Allison was sort of struck down with COVID. Um, we were discussing actually whether it constituted his biggest game for Liverpool. Um, I was discussing that with Dave Kelly of the uh, sports news desk. And I tried to argue the Ajax game was bigger for him. The game he played in December 2020 when it was a 1-0 win in the Champions League. Because given where he was in that stage of his career and he was slightly less established. It was a similar performance. Again, as Anthony said, nothing seems to phase him. His temperament is probably the most impressive thing. His alertness, concentration... Um, obviously could do nothing about the two goals, made a couple of excellent saves. Uh, the Pulisic one was obviously the big one. I thought he made a fine save as well from Mount, and even in the second half where a free kick twacked off the wall and a very awkward shot in the far corner, and he got down to save that. Jay, he looks, uh, he looks very alert, and uh, yeah, he was superb. From an Irish perspective, it does seem fairly comical that we've complained so long about Irish players being absent from these sort of mega clubs. And now, <laughs> now we have one playing sort of semi-regularly now or increasingly regularly and he can't get in the Ireland team but uh, yeah it's difficult perhaps um, 
perhaps we could do a sort of Clements Shilton uh, relay type thing. I, when Ron Greenwood was England manager, I think in the in the early eighties, he couldn't decide between Ray Clements and Peter Shilton in goal, so he, he he decided to give them alternate games. Now I I don't think it was believed to have worked, so I don't know. Perhaps we won't go down that road and. Keller right. will have to wait. Yeah. For Keller yeah. may have to wait for Bazuna to make a mistake, which doesn't seem to be coming anytime soon. If we're talking about the 1970s and the England national team, I don't think that's quite one of their more memorable uh, eras, anyway. But in terms <laughs> well, they of did Kelleher, make a World Cup, in, yeah, in um, yeah. In terms of Kelleher's future, Anthony, uh, given there's that debate, and we were kind of touching on it with other players last week, that you know there is the kind of benefit of going out on loan and playing regular games, and it's going to be a problem for him at Liverpool, given that they have Allison there as number one. Um, his contract is, is there until 2026. Um, do you think it's a benefit for him to just remain there as number two, get to play in some of these type of big games every now and again, rather than having maybe the opportunity to play week in, week out in the way that Gavin Bazunu is doing, maybe at a lower level? Yeah, this is the uh, the awkward situation that Keller is in because yesterday Gavin Bazunu played for Portsmouth. Uh, they drew nil nil with Cambridge, and Bazunu had another really good game. He's now got eleven clean sheets in all competitions, which is uh, you know the, the the best record in that division. Um, and he's clearly benefited benefited from leaving Manchester City and playing uh, first team men's football, albeit at a lower level. Uh, Gavin Bazunu was nineteen. And Allison, who's the number one at Liverpool, is 29. So, you know, although Keller has done extremely well at Liverpool, and he's he's a, for them, from their point of view, he's a he's a really, really good number two. It's not easy to find a number two of that sort of quality who you can rely on um, to step in and just be as assured as he is. Um, but at the same time, he's he's not gonna take that number one jersey from Allison. You know, and Allison, unless he moves on in the next couple of years, he could have another six, seven years uh, as Liverpool's first-choice goalkeeper. So I think Kelleher does have to move on. I think he needs to play now. As I said, he's, he's both himself and, and Bazuna, we would look at them and consider them as two excellent young goalkeepers, but Queen Kelleher is four years older uh, than Bazuna. So he really does need to start playing now regularly. And I, I think it's, it's a difficult one for him because he is absolutely benefiting from training with Alisson day in, day out. We can see that in him. He's, you know, it has to benefit him. It's a, Allison's one of the one of the top three goalkeepers in the world, uh, but at some point I think he has to to jump ship and and and, uh, and to play regular first team football because I do think he's a Premier League goalkeeper. I think the two of them are long term. Two of them are, are Premier League goalkeepers, and the stock would be good now. Like there would be clubs interested in in, in bringing him in uh, if he was to leave, say, in the summer. So it's it will be interesting. What he do, it's not easy. It's not an easy decision for him, but I, I do think Kelgar has to move. And we'll just touch on Aaron Connolly as well. Of course, Anthony, we were chatting about him last week. But uh, Connor, in terms of his move to Middlesbrough, of course, they're in playoff contention. It does seem, though, it's probably the most important part of his career at this point, uh, given he burst on the scene a couple of years ago at Brighton and things have petered out. And while he has a contract uh, until 2024 with Brighton, there does seem to be this kind of tipping point with him at the moment. Yeah, it plainly needed to happen. I think, really, for his career, he was whether there's a debate about Kelleher, whether he's whether you know he might be inclined to sit tight there. There seems to be no debate with Connolly. He was clearly going backwards in the pecking order at Brighton, and you, Graham Potter was getting very reflective about him in press conferences and whatnot. Um, so Middlesbrough strikes me as a good move for him. Um, he also seems like a very 
I get the sense he's a confidence type player and I suspect from an Irish perspective it might be easier to acquire that confidence against championship defences rather than Premier League defensive defences. So um, I think it's very good news for Stephen Kenny and hopefully he can he can he can start playing regularly and scoring as well because you know his finishing seems a bit ragged. I thought when he played for Ireland, I thought in the first half against Portugal for Ireland, I wasn't quite as critical of him as other people were because the fact that he was finding so many good positions indicated that there was some talent there. Now his decision making when he got into the into those positions was a bit dicey. You know he missed an obvious through ball to Ida at one point, but uh, he strikes. He needs to score a couple of goals, get a get, get a bit of confidence, and then maybe the goals will flow for him. I mean, you know, it's obviously a very critical point in his career. So ultimately, it's a it's a very good move for him at this point. And one final point on him, actually, Anthony, um, before we get to the Roberto Lopez interview. Um, in terms of his best position, you mentioned last week that uh, Ireland have become a very system team and it's more 3-5-2. Sometimes it can go 3-4-3, but where do you feel he lines out best? Because I've seen him playing kind of left wide and say a 4-3-3. He looks quite good there. I don't know, as Connor kind of alluded to in terms of his finishing, whether being one of the two central strikers really suits him. Yeah, to be honest, I, I'm not I'm not really sure, Raf, because I, I think this is why he needs to play regularly, because I, it's hard to actually say with conviction what's his best position or where can he get the most out of him. I would be inclined to agree with yourself. I think he's probably better uh, in a slightly wider position as opposed to through the middle, because uh, it just allows him to use his pace and his ability to run at people a little more effectively. Um but look, he is getting a manager that you would hope. And, you know, Chris Wilder spoke about his belief that he, he thinks he can he can draw the best out of Connolly. And I think he has an idea of what he wants to do with him. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how he uses uses Aaron Connolly when he gets to Middlesbrough. Um, you know, Chris Wilder brought Rian Brewster from Liverpool to Sheffield United, if you remember, um, I think maybe a year, a year ago for over £20 million. And, and there's... There's a, some comparison there. You can draw a line between them, the two of them players in some way because there was huge expectation on Brewster. He started to break through at Liverpool. He had been really good for England's underage teams and his progress just came to a halt. And he's he hasn't got it back since. Connolly burst onto the scene two years ago. It was a similar thing. He was a real star in Ireland underage teams and he's just lost his momentum. So you'd hope that he's going to a manager who understands how this can happen with players of that sort of age, 2021, 20, uh, and, and can sort of coax it back into him. Um, and as Connor says, you know, obviously scoring goals is going to help him. But Stephen Kenny spoke in November as well about the importance of Aaron Connolly getting, if he's in the championship team where in the championship, it's a 44 game season. So you're playing Every three days, you're playing a match. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday sometimes. And that will help. If he gets into the team regularly, that will help him in all sorts of ways because he does look like a fella who needs a little bit of structure and a little bit of focus. And if he's in a team and he's playing every three days, and the only thing you can think about in that situation is getting yourself ready for the next game. You know, you play, you rest, recover, next game. I think Aaron Connolly needs that. So if he can get into that Borough team and, and do well, I do think potentially this could be a really good move for him. You know, he, he's a fella that he wants to play all the time and he hasn't been playing. It's not happening for him at Brighton. And, and when that happens to a player, it is easy to lose your focus. You know, you're training every day with no end game. You know, there's you're, you're, you want to train to play. 
So when, when that's taken away from it, it is difficult, you'd imagine, to, to keep your focus. So I'd be hopeful that um, Wilder has a plan for him and, and gives him a chance and, and that he would respond to it because this is a, it's, a, it's a good opportunity for him. Yeah, and we'll see how the next six months obviously pan out for him. But now it's time for that interview with Roberto Lopez. So I was speaking to him just before New Year's. Um, at the time, he was in Cap Verde in the team hotel preparing for the Africa Cup of Nations, which is going to be his first major tournament. He's obviously coming off the back of a title-winning season with Shamrock Rovers, where he was also nominated for PFAI Player of the Year and was also included in the Team of the Year. Obviously, his season ended um, in mid-November in terms of playing time. So he's had a bit of a challenge in trying to keep sharp and keep match fit. So um, that's what I started off by asking him about. Yeah, I just tried to maintain like mostly uh, what I built up for towards the end of the season. So uh, in my head, I had, if I maintain maybe 75, 80% of the fitness that I finished the season with, uh, I'd be ready to come over and, and try and with the rest of my teammates uh, in Cape Verde and, and catch up and get to, and, I'm sorry, hopefully peak in time for, for the tournament. Uh, so I took a little rest uh, maybe two weeks after our season finished and then I went back to train. Yeah, and uh, I think you'd said it to me before, so you left Dublin on Stephen's Day. Um, so what's the journey like then to get to Cap Verde? Yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward enough. It's just the, the timings of the flight are a bit... Uh, um, they're not ideal, I suppose. Like, so you, we, we fly from Dublin to, to Lisbon and then there's usually maybe a seven or eight hour layover and it's a straight flight which takes maybe hours okay and uh like now that you're here um as i said you're at a training camp and then the tournament obviously starts in cameroon early in early january um in terms of your itinerary and like what the schedule is in terms of getting there and building up to it what's it like at the moment yeah it's well i think uh, covid is sort of uh, is, is killing some of our plans like we initially came over to cape Verde to spend three days and uh, play a friendly match against the local cape Verde inside here and then we're going to morocco for Five or six guy, uh, five or six days with uh, two additional friendly games over there. One against Morocco, and one was to be confirmed. But um, I think that's all changed because uh, there's been positive cases in the Morocco camp, and I don't think the game is going to go ahead there. So we're looking at the possibility of uh, just travelling straight to, to Cameroon, and then um, I'm, I'm not too sure where we'll have a warm up game beforehand. But uh, hopefully, we'll be able to squeeze one in. Yeah, and you're actually going to be playing the host nation as well. So Cameroon, then Burkina Faso and Ethiopia. Like in terms of confidence levels in the squad, um, where are you at? Obviously, you've played Cameroon before, I think, but uh, I don't I don't think you personally have played the other two. No, no. And I suppose we're, we have a bit of a quietly confidence uh, about us. Like, um, obviously, we had a really good um, World Cup qualifying campaign and we were devastated to to lose out to Nigeria in the end. But I think if we look back at the at the trip, it was a it was a real sort of confidence booster for us and it's given us the belief that we can go and compete with the, the bigger nations uh, across Africa. And look, we've played Cameroon before. We were in the same African Cup of Nations qualification group uh, as them. Like, so uh, we, we have the confidence that we're, we know we're more than capable of, uh, of getting results against them. Well, it'll be difficult uh, on their on the home patch, of course. Yeah, and uh, like if we circle back to the start of 2021, so obviously you were coming in as reigning league champions, and we're obviously we're talking about Shamrock Rovers now. Um, you'd lost a couple of players like Jack Byrne and Aaron McInef, um, but obviously there was still a strong squad there. Like, what was the mood like at, at Rovers um, at the start of uh, start of last season? Yeah, it, it was a weird one, obviously, because uh, you're losing to, as you say, two. Uh, our best players uh, and top, top players in Iron Mac and F and Jack Bourne and they were probably just a big loss to the dressing room as well because the, the big characters big personalities like everyone uh, gets on with them like, and they give you 
your real lift when the mood might be a bit flat. But um, we, we still managed to keep the bulk of the squad to, to get out, which was important. And we had some great experience heads like Ron still there and, and Joey was fantastic uh, throughout the year and Aaron Green. Um, and the signings that we made uh, really improved that squad, I have to say. And uh, I think once the signings faded in like, and we, we grew familiar with each other, like um, our performances started to, start to increase. Improve, yeah. I should say. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, like you mentioned COVID there earlier, kind of um, affecting the, the schedule and everything you have with uh, Cap Verde at the moment. But um, if we go back to April, I think you were coming back from an international break and then you, you had to spend, what is it, 10 days in a hotel um, and missing the Dundalk game at the time as well. Like how, like just how difficult was that? Like how do you, like how do you keep and keep busy and like I suppose maintain a kind of level of fitness uh, while you're confined to one room? Yeah, it, it's awful, and like, and I suppose you have to sort of go through it, like, if, uh, to really appreciate how bad it was. Like, and I suppose for me, like, what really annoyed me was I didn't, I wasn't, uh, I never tested positive for COVID. Like you said, our, our season has just started, and I was trying to maintain as much fitness as I could, and it was near impossible to say the the yard that you had for a bit of fresh air was was tiny, and you'd have fifteen minutes at a, at a time. So the time you're you're sort of warmed up and ready to ready to work it, it's time to go back into the into the hotel room again and you don't know when your next 15 minutes are, are coming for fresh air like so it was really difficult and I'm just I'm just glad that it's over uh, now and hopefully you won't have to go back into it again yeah and if we go back to around May or June of the season so you had started the league season quite well and then there's a mini wobble I think it was eight games where there were you won a couple of times but then there were three three defeats and three or three defeats and uh, three draws um, what was the what were the factors that you felt maybe um, led to that run of form, and then what was it within the squad that helped you pull pull out of that? And then I think you went on to win like five games in a row after that. Yeah, I think it was just to say it, it is what it, sorry it is what it was. It was a, it was a wobble lick, and um, we were missing bodies there at the time. I think we had a couple of injuries and a couple of absentees, like, and it was just trying to get the, the games are coming quick and fast with Europe and cup games and league games. And we just had to do our best in that time. Like, and unfortunately, the time it, it wasn't enough. But um, we never sort of lost faith in what we were doing was was right and how we were trying to play was right. And we were probably just missing that extra bit of freshness at the time. Um, and I think once the body started to come back, the people recovered from injuries. Um, we bolstered the bolstered the squad again. Like, and we just went on a, on a run, like kicked on. Yeah, and there was a one of the features in the squad, of course, was the the number of late goals, late equalizers, late winners, and it just seemed to be something that um, Stephen Bradley often mentioned in post match interviews. Just the I suppose the togetherness in the squad. When you're on the pitch, I guess when a game seems to be getting away from you, and with the kind of benefit of knowing that you have a habit of getting late goals, like can you even feel it on the pitch that there's this sense like if you just keep going, and um, something will, good will come out of it. Yeah, it's, it's just the, we know ourselves that we we have to play to the final whistle um, and there's no use to sort of, like, of, of panicking, thinking, oh, is it going to come? We just need to trust what we're doing and, and back ourselves and, yeah, like trust that a goal will come or an opportunity will come and, and hopefully we can take it when it does come. Yeah, and uh, like obviously the season went really well in terms of retaining the league title. Do you look at Europe maybe as a, the one that kind of got away? Obviously you were drawn against Flora Tallinn in the Europa Conference League and I guess expectation was it was a great opportunity, but obviously it worked out differently. Yeah, when you, when you come that close, uh, it, it hurts more. Like, but I think over the over two games we, we let ourselves down, which is the frustrating part. Like, um, I think we, we didn't really give a good account ourselves, particularly in the in the first leg away to 
the talent. Like, um, so that was a tough one to take. But look, we we set our goals then after that, like to sort of reset and make sure we, we put ourselves in that position next year to have a good crack at. Yeah, and obviously you've had good experiences as well, at least in terms of playing um, really challenging teams. Like playing against Milan, actually, the likes of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, like, what is he like to come up against? Especially, I guess you were you would have been in direct confrontation with him. Yeah, it was fantastic, as I say. Like he has this aura about. I think people can feel it, like just watching at home on the TV. But even on the pitches, it's just so melts because obviously he's a, he's a huge man. He's a huge presence, but it's just his, his overall movement, this game in towns as well. It's fantastic, and yeah, he just keeps trying to wind you up the whole time on the pitch. And I was just trying my best just to focus on the on the job at hand. Like, but uh, it was great. It was a fantastic experience. Yeah, what kind of stuff would he be saying, or is it like something that's broadcastable? Uh, I don't think it'd be too broadcast. <laughs> but not, yeah. I suppose the, the nicest thing he said to me, uh, I think, was after they scored the goal. I was still getting tied to him, and he was like, "Come on, come on, hold my hand. Let's go. We're going to walk. Hold my hand." So there was stuff like that, like, and that was that was probably the nice thing he said to me on, on the night. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, like next season, it's going to be your seventh at Rovers now, and there's been this sense of continuity, not just within the squad. Obviously, there there'll always be the odd player kind of leaving, the odd player coming in. But um, Stephen Bradley's been there now for a number of years, and um, Stephen McPhail's been there behind the scenes as well as the sporting director. Um, that sense of continuity and stability, like it must be a godsend for you as a squad that like you always feel like you have this something stable underneath you the whole time. A hundred percent. Yeah, it gives us, as I say, a base to, to kick on each year. Like we're not trying to to rebuild. Like I'm keeping the the core group together and the staff together. Like everyone knows how things should be done. And as far as it's easier for the for new signings to come in and read what's going on in the group, and we can obviously help it help them get up to speed. Like so, yeah, that sort of stability there. It, it's vital, I think, and for us to kick on to the next level again. Yeah, and in terms of the stability then and then trying to keep things fresh, does uh, Stephen do anything in terms of uh, messaging maybe to just, uh, I guess, uh, you know, maintain a sense of a little bit of a sense of change or something so there's no stagnation? Um, no, we just have goals like uh, from game to game, we still we look at things like, um, but I think overall, I think the group knows we have this mentality that like we can't just settle on what we have. We need to strive for the next one. And I think, I think everyone knows in the group the moment that we feel like ah we can we can rest here we we've done our work it's the moment where you you get left behind or you get left out like and uh, yeah the, 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 that sort of that thought process if that creeps into our group it won't be around much longer and I think uh, most of us know that yeah and we were chatting to Jack Byrne a couple of weeks ago um obviously you must be looking forward to playing with him again like have you been chatting to him at all since he uh, since he came back. Yeah, I've been chatting to Jack since he since he announced he signed back. Like I was really good friends with Jack when he was here the last time. So I was delighted to see him uh, come back. Like he's, he's a fantastic player. Like but he's a, he's a great person as well. Um, he really does brighten up the dressing room. And yeah, I've, I've met him a few times for lunch before I went away. And uh, we played five side or two together. Like so, yeah, it's just great to have his presence back again. Like it's, it's going to be a great sign of course. Yeah, and of course, Joey O'Brien leaving as well. So he would have played alongside you for the last uh, three years or so, just as an experienced, uh, as his experienced centre half, who's had experience of playing over in England and everything else. Um, obviously gone off to Shelburne now as a coach to work with Damien Duff. Um, like in regards to the relationship you would have built with him on the pitch, like how did you develop? And like obviously, he must be, he will be, I guess, a big miss for you now uh, from next se next season onwards. Yeah, Joey was fantastic for me from the, the moment he, he went in. Obviously, 
being a, a defender as well, you can they can bounce any question off him, and he always had an answer for it because of the level he's played at, he's come up against nearly everything. Like, um, but the big thing that stood stood out for me uh, for Joey was it's just his quality. Everyone talks about the experience and his knowledge of the game, but uh, I've just seen him in matches do things that really impressed me. I think that. I didn't expect from myself, and he was just such a good footballer, and uh, he really was a, a leader for us. Like when we needed him, uh, showed us the way to success at times. Like, um, and yeah, he'll be a huge loss, and he won't be replaced. But it um, it leaves the opportunity for more people in the squad to step up and and really be a, a big character now. Yeah, and individually, you had a great year, obviously with the PFAI um, Player of the Year nomination. Uh, would you do you kind of look at those nominations as something you kind of play down, or do you actually like the idea of kind of enjoying these things in the moment rather than maybe waiting until the end of your career, maybe to um, to look back and think about award nominations and different things like that? Yeah, I, no, I don't really think too much of them throughout the season. As I say, look, look, it's 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 great to be to be nominated in uh, Team of the Year, or Player of the Year, and. And obviously win something, but it's 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 not the ultimate goal, I suppose. I think I start every season looking to, to win the league, win the cup, like and and if anything else happens after that, great. And yeah, we'll in, in, enjoy their moments when when they come along. But it's 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 not something that I'd sort of strive for um, in my goals, I would say. Yeah, and just at the age of twenty nine now as well, and it's kind of like that. They always talk about those years being like the peak years for a defender. Do you kind of feel like just with the mixture of experience you've kind of gained and the things you've won that you you feel like you are at, at, at and I suppose with the nominations as well that you are kind of at a peak um, uh, with everything that's come together. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's been I suppose it's been has been a good year, a good year or two. Like, but I don't like to sort of like put labels on it or say like yeah. Feel like I'm peaking because I always feel like there's more to come or I can improve on something uh, next year, and, and that's the sort of mentality we're taking in hopefully for the rest of my career. But definitely into next season, that like, right, there's more I can do here, I can be a better player, uh, I can get more goals uh, from corners or, or whatever it is. I, I know there's areas in the game that I can I need to improve on and that I can improve, and I'll keep uh, keep pushing myself to do so. Good stuff. And obviously, we'll be watching you closely in terms of Irish interest anyway uh, at the Nations Cup. It'll be yourself. We'll be uh, kind of keeping more of an eye on. So best of luck in Cameroon. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you're able to go as far as possible. And uh, of course, we'll be looking forward to seeing you back with uh, Shamrock Rovers as well uh, next season. So, Roberto, uh, best of luck. Thanks very much, Raf. All right, that was Roberto Lopez of Shamrock Rovers uh, speaking to me uh, late last week, and uh, he's preparing for the Africa Cup of Nations, which is coming up uh, next week. And they're in a group with Cameroon, Burkina Faso, and Ethiopia. So we'll see how they go. And obviously, I think from an Irish point of view, um, lads, he's probably the one, probably the only one we're going to be kind of keeping a close eye on, and maybe um, possibly supporting Cap Verde uh, just because of that. I know oh, Shamrock yeah. Rovers fans, it's their second team, really. Their second team. <laughs> it's a great tournament. You know, it is a great tournament. I know in this part of the world, like because we're um you listen to Premier League clubs and have gripes with the timing of it and everything, there's been a lot of negativity around it, which you can understand because you know, there's clubs losing their star players at such a, a crucial juncture of the season. But it, it is a great tournament and it's brilliant for Lopez to be a part of that and uh I, I think we'll all be keeping a close eye and, and hope that he does well, yeah. And possibly does the uh, kind of League of Ireland Africa Cup of Nations double, which I don't think has been done before, um, as no, far as I know. I suspect not. No, I suspect not. But anyway, that's it uh, for this week. Anyway, you can find more of the podcast on RT Soccer on Twitter and also on the RT Soccer website, and you can watch it on YouTube. So Connor Neville, Anthony Pine, thanks a million for taking the time. Yeah.